This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is brought to you by Artbase. Did you know that Artbase is the best love software in the art world? Artbase offers products that do everything you need to run your art business. Track your art and your contacts and cross-reference them. Make invoices, generate consignments, run all kinds of reports, even use it on your iPad or iPhone at art fairs or while you're away. Take it from the thousands of happy Artbase clients all over the world. Artbase is the right software for your art business. Visit ArtBase.com to find out more. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's episode, we're here with Robin Pogrebin, culture reporter for the New York Times, to recap Art Basel Miami Beach, which occurred last week. Robin, thanks so much for speaking with us. Happy to be here. You wrote in your piece in the New York Times about the fair that the pace was slower than in past years. What did you mean by that, and what were some of the reasons why that was the case in this year's edition? It was interesting this year because you could kind of feel that the fair um, was different um, than it has felt in past years and that other fairs have felt like over the past year. And that is just less crowded, less congested. Um, and you could see in booths just a kind of a, a, I wouldn't call it sparse, but certainly a more civilized pace going on. And um, if you talk to the dealers, they were actually very pleased by this, as were the collectors in attendance. It allowed them to have more in-depth, substantive conversations about the buying and selling going on. Um, there was just somewhat of a diminution in energy that was that was definitely palpable. And the reasons for it, it seems to be, is one, the Zika uh, scare, that even though it turned out there wasn't really legitimate threat in Miami, people were nervous about that going into it, and so fewer people seemed to register at the outset set. But there has also been a kind of slowing down generally of the art market, and that means a a bit of a softening in the sense of uh, people feeling uncertain about the future. And the contributing uh, sort of aspects to that have been the presidential election here, the Brexit development in London, and just a kind of a general sense of instability worldwide in terms of where the economy is going. So I think that also influenced the sort of tenor of the fair. And and lastly, just that there's a surfeit of fairs now. It feels almost like there's a fair every week somewhere around the world. And I think collectors, to some extent, are experiencing saturation on that front. We had just come off the fall auctions, and there's just there have been a lot of opportunities for buying. And, and so, to some extent, I think people just felt a little burned out. Um, that said, um, all the dealers, you know, to some extent, you have to take their positive comments with a grain of salt because they're always spinning to some extent in, in an optimistic direction. But they did say that they did their sales were strong. Um, it, it isn't as if the sales themselves suffered. It's just that they were kind of not as rapid fire. Um, you used to see people kind of rushing the doors to try to get to booths and be first and make sure um, that they didn't lose out on things they wanted. And now people just took their time a little bit more and the pace was more deliberative. And given some of the market uncertainty, as well as the curtailment of the presence of younger, speculated artists, what was the kind of art and artists who were on exhibit at the fair? You know, what's interesting is every year you kind of look for themes, and it turns out that um, there's always just a huge variety. Um, The fair organizers themselves have made a real effort to try to get a real breadth of material, and that means, you know... uh, Everything from just from all over the world, but also a real kind of concentration of emerging artists and um, 
Latin American artists and uh, at the same time you see some very established artists in some booths that are selling. Um, what you do find at this fair and at others is that the lower, it's a lower price point than you would, certainly than you would find at auction, but also than you would find at Art Basel in Switzerland, for example. So there aren't that many pieces over a million dollars. Um, you you think you see most of the pieces are in the in the high kind of hundreds of thousands, um, and even some lower. And there are different sections of the fair that are devoted to more kind of up and coming galleries than others. So there's a real spectrum of material. Um, you had, for example, um, a in Paul Kasman's gallery, his booth. They sold um, a major um, work by uh, the abstract expressionist um, Lee Krasner, whose estate he just began to represent, and that went to a private collector for $6 million, and that's an incredibly high price um, for uh, an art fair. Um, but then you also had people kind of walking around, sort of talking about things that they had bought um, for under $20,000. So there's, you know, definitely a, a broad spectrum, um, and it's about, you know, it's trying to reach the buyer at every level. There was a lot of political-themed artwork on display as the election is still just right behind us. But interestingly, you wrote that you spoke to dealers who feel the election may actually be a good thing for the art market. What were they telling you, and what were they speculating regarding the future direction of the art market? What's interesting is, you know, one dealer said to me that there's the art market and there's the art world, and those are two kind of distinct things. And um, his characterization really meant that the art world are sort of the people who are in it. The people who are in it tend to be pretty progressive politically and to be kind of despairing um, about Trump. This particular dealer used the word kind of it's like, you know, Gomorrah. Like to them, this is just a real dark time. On the other hand, um, it has proven to be good for business. People kind of expect it will continue to be. The market has responded positively. And the stock market doesn't always correlate exactly with the art market, but it certainly does inform it. And, you know, depending on how rich people um, feel about their wealth, um, that's how they end up feeling about buying art. Um, For better or worse, the people who buy art are the people who can afford it. And the people who can afford to buy art are are likely to do well under a Trump administration. At least that is the current thinking. So I think there's real ambivalence in the art world. I mean, to some extent, they are unhappy about the outcome of the election. On the other hand, they stand to benefit from it. And also during the week, you reported that the Rebels will be moving their private museum to a new location in Miami. Most who come to Miami for Art Basel tour these four or five different private museums each year. How important are they as tastemakers for the contemporary art world? What is their relevance during Art Basel Miami? They are important because they kind of give the um, Miami art scene its gravitas. I mean, what you find is that I think there was only one local dealer from Miami in the art fair itself. Miami is sort of not, is underrepresented in the fair. But there is this real strong contingent of private collectors in Miami that um, really kind of have given the city some weight and made it an, an art destination, and the rebels among them. There's also Marty Margulies. There is Norman Brayman. There's um, Ellis Cisneros, the Dela Cruz collection among them. And there's, you know, some controversy because I think some people feel as if these private collectors could be better supporting their local museum, which is the Miami Art 
museum, um, the Perez uh, Museum, um, named after George Perez. But you do have these kind of mini museums that these collectors run. And everyone who goes to Miami for the fair tries to at least hit some of them to see what they're doing. And they're often doing very innovative things. I mean, the Rubels, for example, um, focused on women last year. And, it, you know, that exhibition is considered kind of the tipping point for a whole year of female-focused exhibitions. Um, so they really can be, you know, quite um, definitive and influential in the art world, and, and they're taken seriously. And um, it, it kind of fleshes out the fair, so it's not just about kind of consumerism. Robin, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and recapping Art Basel Miami Beach with us. Uh, if our listeners want to check out more of your writings, they should in the New York Times. And you're also tweeting often about the art market and culture. If they want to follow you on Twitter, what's your Twitter handle? It's at rpogreben. Perfect. Thanks so much again, Robin. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to ArtBase for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. Did you know that ArtBase is the best love software in the art world? That's because ArtBase offers products that do everything you need to run your art business. Track your art in your contacts and cross-reference them. Make invoices, generate consignments, run all kinds of reports. Even use it on your iPhone or iPad at art fairs or while you're away. Take it from the thousands of happy ArtBase clients all over the world. ArtBase is the right software for your art business. Visit ArtBase.com to find out more.